Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. He's saying to his disciples, patiently endure the hostility. Then he's saying, patiently serve. You have to wait. Oh, Lord, it's so long. Lord, it's so long. No, just keep on waiting. But God, it's been centuries. He's coming. We don't know when, but he's coming. And someday, as sure as all of us are sitting here, we will be standing before our Lord. Reaching up high, with arms open wide, we see. Changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. Jesus is risen and will be returning for his bride. There may not be a sweeter or more encouraging phrase for Christians today. Without it, our purpose and perspective in life would be very different. Today, Pastor Ed will teach on Jesus' promise to his disciples and us today that he is coming back. Adversity in life is inevitable but it can often cause believers to doubt the Lord's provision. However, Jesus promises that our life here on earth is but a season, and that soon, when least expected, He will return. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, The Return of the King. The setting of this parable is Jesus is leaving Jericho. And Zacchaeus, a sinner well-known in the community, someone who had sold himself out to the Roman government, Zacchaeus was converted. He was saved. And Jesus is leaving Jerusalem, and now, uh, rather, Jericho, and going to Jerusalem. Now, Joshua conquered Jerusalem, and Rahab the harlot was saved, and They're thinking about this promised land that they're supposed to have. They're thinking about Jesus setting up the kingdom. They had followed him because they anticipated that he was going to set up his kingdom and they were going to be a part of that kingdom. But Jesus knows what's ahead. And he wants to give them something that they could keep in their heart and remember so that when difficult times come, they won't be scattered and lose their way. See, he was going to go to Jerusalem, not simply to set up a kingdom, but he was going to die for man's sins. And Holy Week was an absolute astonishment to the disciples, to the apostles. Instead of setting up a kingdom, the king was going to be crucified. Instead of that warm welcoming issuing into them, leading him to the throne that was rightfully his, they were going to reject him. And so Jesus wanted his disciples to know how to wait and work for his return. How do we wait? How do we work? So that when he comes back, we will be ready. We will be prepared. Well, 
the first thing I want you to see, the very fact that there's a period of time, there's a period of waiting, the time period before the return of the king, that's my first point in verse 11, the crowd was listening to everything Jesus said, and because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. They thought, he's gonna come in our generation. They thought, we're going to see and experience everything that the Old Testament's prophesied about, everything that was foretold. They thought, here it is, it's gonna happen right now. Almost like every generation since, at least most every generation since, expected and should expect and live in light of the Lord's return. But Jesus counseled us, don't set the date, don't think that you know the hour, it's gonna be a surprise, but he's coming. And the disciples, the apostles thought, it's gonna be right now. And so what Jesus does is he prepares them to wait and to work. And what he wants them to know is they have to patiently endure those who reject the king. They have to patiently endure the community that they live in. In verse 14, but his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we do not want him to be our king. Now, immediately when that hit the ears of the Jewish people, they would have thought of Herod, who in their history, 4 BC, went to Rome to receive the kingship of the area that he was over. And a delegation was sent and they said, we don't want him to be king. Archelaus, his son, same thing, goes to Rome and they send a delegation, we don't want him to be our king. And so Jesus takes a familiar story in the culture and he applies it to what will happen to the king of kings and the Lord of lords when he comes to Jerusalem. In John's gospel, in verse 10 and 12 to 12, it says this, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. Both Jewish community, Gentile community, has rejected Jesus. And what Jesus wanted was his disciples to realize that they would be serving him, working for him, waiting for his return, and they would be in an environment that was hostile to Christ. Now, it hasn't changed. Of course, there have been seasons where persecution has been greater, some where it's been more. But by and large, our fallen nature The world has rejected Messiah. They don't want to accept him as king. Notice what the text says. We don't want him to become king. There is a latent, dormant sometimes hostility in the hearts of people that resist Christ. It's manifested by the way they treat Christians. Climb up the Beatitudes. When you reach the very top, 
In the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, you're a peacemaker. And what happens to peacemakers in this world? They are persecuted. Jesus said, if they've rejected me, they'll reject you. If they've persecuted me, they'll persecute you. That is everyone's lot who truly commits themselves to following Christ. So you make a decision in your home. Don't expect the extended family or even the immediate family to suddenly applaud that. At work, you talk about the King of Kings and keep your Bible on your desk and have prayer time. Don't expect everybody's going to be excited about it. You have a choice. The choice is will you patiently endure a hostile world or will you crumble under it and be discouraged by it and throw up your hands and say, hmm, it's just too hard. In the book of Acts, the apostles were brought, Peter and John were brought before the religious council, the Sanhedrin. It says, they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. They would not give up, shut up. They would not stop. They were going to serve God. And so what Jesus is saying is, you are living in a hostile environment. And just as they have rejected me, they're going to reject you. The world hasn't changed over the centuries, over the millenniums. And as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower in Christ, you set your heart to endure what's around. Now, you're not only to patiently endure, but you're in the midst of that to patiently serve. To patiently serve while we wait for the king. In verses 12 to 13, a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Before he left, he called together 10 of his servants and divided among them 10 pounds of silver saying, invest this for me while I'm gone. Now, there's a difference between this parable and the parable of the talents. In the talents, there was different amounts of resources given. Here, everyone was given the same thing. And what Jesus was emphasizing is everyone has an opportunity to do something. Everyone has an opportunity to make a difference. And so, you can't look at someone else and say, well, look, they're so much more gifted than I, they're so much more talented than I, I, I can't do anything. No, no. Don't do that. All of us have a gift, a talent, a resource that God's given us. Now, you may have an opportunity to go on a missions trip. You may have an opportunity to uh, work in the city of Poughkeepsie. You may have an opportunity to work just in our community here. But use the opportunities. Don't waste the opportunities. And Jesus expects us to patiently serve and invest for me while I am gone. Now, we've been called into a kingdom, and in that kingdom, the king rules and reigns. And he shows us how to live. 
Jesus is acknowledged as the king in this story. Because when he went to Jerusalem, they welcomed him in as king on Palm Sunday. When he stood before the religious leaders, they acknowledged him as king. Even on the very cross, they put king of the Jews. He's a king. But he is a king that is unwelcome by a fallen world, a rebellious planet, by people who don't want to follow him, don't want to go after him. And so you have to recognize, all right, I am going to serve him patiently in the midst of a hostile environment. And now sometimes we are hindered by people in the church. Now, that can be a broad uh, picture painted because it was religious people who opposed Jesus. Sometimes religious people oppose the work of God in your life or the call of God or what God is trying to do. But you can't look over your shoulder and say, Lord, because of him, because of her, I'm not going to do anything. Just give me my talent. I'll wrap it up and I'll just put it aside. You can't. No, he wanted you to know that in spite of the circumstances inside the church, outside the church, in your home, outside your home, wherever you may be, don't stop serving the Lord because he's looking for faithfulness in us. As you look at the text, he's saying to his disciples, patiently endure the hostility Then he's saying, patiently serve. You have to wait. Oh, Lord, it's so long. Lord, it's so long. No, just keep on waiting. But God, it's been centuries. He's coming. We don't know when, but he's coming. And someday, as sure as all of us are sitting here, we will be standing before our Lord. That's the truth of God's word. So we wait and we trust that the king is going to return. And we don't get weary and well-doing. It leads to stewardship. And endurance, patiently enduring and patiently serving is a reflection of the responsibility that he has given to you. He has made you a steward. In In verse 15, You see the stewardship of those who serve the king. After he was crowned king, he returned and called his servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what were their profits. Someday, all of us will stand before God. The journey will come to an end. And God will say, okay, I gave you a good mind. I gave you opportunities. I gave you some health. I gave you some resources. How have you used everything that I have given you? Now, Jesus gives an example of three of the ten people. There were ten that he gave, each all the same pound. It was money. It would have been equal to about three months' salary. He gave each of them three months' salary and said, invest this for me. You notice, first of all, the reliable stewards. In 1 Corinthians 4.2, Paul tells us, it's required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. Can God depend on you? Are you faithful to do what he's asked you to do? Will you 
come through for him. This idea of faithfulness, of trustworthiness is there. And so the first one comes and uh, he gives a report. In verses 16 to 19. Master, I invested your money, made 10 times the original amount. Wow. He must have worked hard. He must have believed. He must have taken risk. I mean, he multiplied what God had given him 10 times. And here's Jesus' response. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you, so you will be governor of 10 cities as your reward. What happened is this man made Christ the priority of his life. Christ was the center of his life. Christianity wasn't something peripheral. It was central. Now notice what happens. God takes his faithfulness and said, okay, I'm going to give you 10 cities. Now, you think about 10 pounds isn't that much, but the reward was so much more than what he did in this present world. The rewards that await us are far greater than the sacrifices that we make. Week after week, you bring your tithes and offerings. God sees Week after week, you, you read the word and you pray and you, you endeavor to be a good witness to your family, to your friends. Uh, you, you volunteer and you serve in some ministry. You, you give your time. You say, well, nobody notices. He does. He does. He keeps the records. He keeps the books. He watches. And so what he does is says, okay, you are faithful. Here is 10 cities that you're gonna rule over. Our stewardship doesn't end in this world, it goes to the next worldly. What we do here impacts over there. Some are gonna go into heaven with an incredible, abundant entrance. They're gonna be overwhelmed by the blessing that God gives them and the responsibility to rule and to reign with him forever. Now. Another man comes and um, his report is he took that one pound and he invested it. He said, I've made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. He'll be governor over five cities. We are going to be rewarded in heaven by what we have done here on earth. Some people make the mistake. They think that, okay, I'm going to get to heaven and I accept Christ and that's my fire insurance. They're going to escape hell and get to heaven. Well, you are saved by the blood of the Lamb. You're saved by believing and trusting Christ. But you will be rewarded by your faithfulness, by what you have done with the opportunities that God has given you, how you've used what he's placed in your hand. And you have that example in the next story. It says, there's an unreliable steward, and here's one of them, but the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, master, I hid your money. Now notice these words, I kept it safe. I kept it safe. He didn't want to take any risk. He's just going to play it safe. 
well, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to upset anybody, you know, or I don't want to, you know, listen, I, 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 I can't do that. And he was afraid of God. He was afraid of the master. Look what the text says. He kept it safe and he was afraid. Now, I don't think in our culture the fear of God is that prevalent. I wish it were. But this man had a wrong view of the fear of God. And notice what Jesus says to him, because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours. This is what he's saying to the master. And harvesting crops you didn't plant. Uh, Jesus is going to go and tell him, well, I'm going to judge you by your own words. Your own words are going to determine where you stand. What happens is wrong theology leads to wrong living. It does. Now, in our culture, I would say the big thing is to project on God that he is not only kind and benevolent, but to push it to the place of fault. He never judges sin. He never holds us accountable. He just turns the other way. Like a feeble grandfather who is just so benevolent. That's not what God is like. Now, our culture wants that type of God. Our fallen hearts want that type of God. The culture wants a God that pats them on the back every time they do whatever they want. And there's no such thing as absolutes, no such thing as right or wrong, no such thing as accountability. But that's not reality. That's a God of our own making. That's a God that's created from the fallen hearts of people who have rebelled against him. And that's why the culture is so anti-Christian because they say, listen, only one way to God. Every religion has some truth in it. You can't imagine God sending people to hell. All right. It's not what the Bible says, though. If you want the God of Scripture, if you want the God of Revelation, if you want the God who says, here I am, I am that I am, then you have to adjust your life to his and to what he has said about himself. If we don't, we're going to be in trouble. This man was. He had all sorts of excuses. A man who is good at excuses is never good at anything else. Some people, I don't want to serve in the church because they never acknowledge me. I don't want to serve in the church because of what she said, what he did. Well, you know, no, 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 no. They just ask too much of you. On and on, we could churn out the excuses. And we're so good at them, we believe them. And we feel justified in taking refuges in our excuses. Jeremiah, God speaking through the prophets, said, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Paul said, I don't even judge myself. We don't even know our own hearts. We are masters at deception, and the greatest deception is self-deception. That's why the psalmist taught us to pray in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. God, reveal myself to myself. Help me to see. Otherwise, we, we lose our way. We make 
foolish decisions. And here this man, man, he was good at excuses. Well, that's all the time we have for today's edition of Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's more to come from Pastor Ed's teaching through the Gospel of Luke. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and select today's date from the Building in Faith media player. Again, that's buildinginfaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to buildinginfaithradio.com and clicking on today's date. There, you'll find all the options to share. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the Word of God right here on Building in Faith. Hello.